G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Ashley Saunders, the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Ashley, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. It's great to be with you and uh, I'll have to get used to the fact that today is Wednesday, today is not Thursday. (laughs) Yes, throws your whole week out sometimes, doesn't it, when the routine is upset. Ashley, uh, let's talk about a bunch of issues. Uh, First one... Uh, we were started to talk about this a little bit last week, but the South Australian Roman Catholic Church has said that it will not comply with any law that requires a priest to violate the confessional. And uh, this is a touchy, controversial topic uh, because there's all sorts of arguments on both sides here. What are your thoughts about the way things are unfolding? I, I don't think we should be surprised that um, the Catholic Church is taking that position for a very long time it has held that uh, as a matter of canon law as a, a church law that the the, the um, confessional is absolutely sacrosanct and uh, nothing must be done they say uh, to violate that uh, i guess to put some perspective on this for the benefit of listeners in a sense whatever the law says and whatever the catholic church says is not going to make very much difference If any of your listeners have a sense that there are um, uh, Catholic adherents around the country racing off to confessionals uh, on a daily basis, um, uh, senior Catholic Church officials in South Australia have said, look, that's just not how things happen, that the vast majority of people go to their first confessional as a child and, and are never, ever seen in the confessional again. So that's, I guess, the first thing. The second thing is that um, in the event that uh, there is any suggestion that something that is said in a confessional is um, uh, liable to be repeated to authorities. Um, The practical effect of that is that people are are simply not going to confess something that opens them up to that in the vast majority of cases. Perhaps the third thing that I would say is that um, um, the Catholic Church is strongly asserting that it's not just a matter of going into a box Um, saying uh, your sins and getting absolution, that the priest uh, in their practice needs to be certain that the penitent is actually repentant. And sometimes uh, the priest may very well say, well, let's demonstrate uh, how sorry you are for what you've done by whether or not you're willing to come with me and speak to the family involved or speak to the speak to the uh, the police officers and so on. So, so yes, it shouldn't surprise us that the South Australian Catholic Church is saying they that that, that the confessional will continue to be um, unviolated. But at a practical level, it probably won't make very much, if any, difference at all. And actually, this is not just a South Australian Catholic Church issue, nor is it an Australia-wide Catholic Church issue. This is a global issue. And uh, getting change when it comes to the idea that the confessional is sacrosanct uh, is something just... You just can't change something global uh, with the, uh, with the, the flick of a switch, can you? No, you can't. And my understanding is that uh, especially this aspect of canon law is something that goes to the highest levels. And so it's not something 
that uh, the South Australian Catholic Church has the power to change or any other diocese or archdiocese anywhere else in the world, my understanding is that if there was going to be any change, it would need to be at the highest levels. And this is not going to stop opponents and critics of the Catholic Church uh, from attempting to beat the Catholic Church into submission, uh, but there will no doubt be some level of a fight uh, when it comes to this whole issue, uh, but the Catholic Church simply won't roll over on this either. Uh, No, that's right. And so... um I've talked this morning about the fact that whether or not the church complies with such law in practical sense will make very little, if any, difference at all. But you're right that that will not stop opponents of the church seeking to attack the church on this basis. And, uh, and so we need, to, uh, we need to be conscious that there are any number of agendas at hand. And uh, I guess we need to frame our con- uh, conversation this morning on the basis that, um, that we, um, uh, we stand against anybody who violates the innocence of children. Absolutely. And uh, the idea too, uh, while we're on this, and uh, I don't like to leave uh, conversations with regard to some traditional church practices like confessionals without uh, including the whole of the body of Christ into this, because it's not everyone's tradition that there is such a thing as a confessional. But uh, neither do we discount Uh, the wonderful healing that comes, Ashley Saunders, when we do confess our sins to one another, as the scripture says that we might be healed. And so even though it might not be part of our own uh, tradition, if we're coming from a Protestant side of uh, Christianity, uh, this idea of protecting the confessional is something that perhaps all Christians can share in, uh, even though it might not be something from our own past. Uh, Yes, that's right. And certainly... Uh, James, the brother of uh, Jesus, when he wrote his letter, uh, made that comment that you've, uh, you've quoted this morning, that we should be in the business of confessing our sins to one another. And uh, sometimes, uh, I guess, we're guilty of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And uh, I think that uh, the Christian church would be a whole lot healthier if we were, in fact, taking many aspects of Scripture seriously, including that one, that we should, um, in a sense... Uh, take the view that the body of Christ, the church, is about mutual accountability and mutual growing uh, in the Lord. Uh, Let's move on. Uh, Lots of issues to cover. The New South Wales government has introduced laws to the New South Wales Parliament to prohibit the threat or incitement of violence against any person on the grounds of race and religious affiliation. Uh, What's happening in New South Wales that you're monitoring, Ashley Saunders? Well, the Premier says that uh, this is a a wonderful step forward and uh, she says that um, the government uh, has taken advice and is balancing um, the the idea of freedom of speech with uh, the the need to ensure that people um, are not either um, violated or there are no threats or incitement to violence against people on the basis of their race or their religious affiliation. And so there's a sense in which... Uh, we should applaud this move. There's a sense in which we know that there are people who might convert, for example, to Christianity uh, from Islam, for example, who then face threats of violence from their family. And uh, we need to, in a sense, stand with the government of New South Wales and say, yep, there are circumstances where, where, that, uh, where, where there needs to be some degree of protection. Uh, on the other hand, uh, time will tell uh, whether 
in a sense, making religion or religious affiliation a protected attribute under the anti-discrimination regime is something that ultimately could be used against Christians, not when they're, um, in fact, inciting violence or threatening violence, and I pray that nobody uh, who owns the name of Jesus would do that, um, but um, time will tell whether such laws could be used against Christians when all we're doing is, in fact, obeying the Great Commission. And, uh, and so, uh, with, with a degree of... Let's see, uh, we give uh, the government of New South Wales uh, some, some good marks and uh, let's see whether it will in fact be used to diminish threats of violence and the incitement of violence on religious grounds or whether um, in time it might be misused uh, where people uh, will, will in, in a sense, use it against people simply because... Uh, we're talking about the good news of Jesus. Interesting when attitude is important, when there are threats of change, and uh, there are those who want to hold very tight to the way things have been in the past, uh, but this whole issue that's going to be certainly unfolding this year with the religious freedom uh, in the spotlight, uh, there will be all sorts of attempts to reform laws. Uh, is there a sense here, if we talk attitude, uh, Ashley Saunders, the idea that uh, that uh, there is lots to lose, but there perhaps is also much to gain if we're able to contribute to the debate and the policy settings as to the way that religious freedoms might be actually legislated this year? Uh, yes, I think uh, what, you, what you've said is a good summation. And, uh, and so certainly, um, you know, as, as followers of Jesus, we, we want to stand against those who threaten or incite violence against others. Um, the language of uh, protecting a diverse and vibrant community, which is language that the New South Wales Premier uses, um, sometimes, sometimes it seems that uh, diversity is protected and preserved, provided that diversity does not include um, a proselytizing Christian worldview. And so uh, uh, what you've said there, um, some, uh, some thought that maybe uh, attitudes are changing. On the other hand, let's just make sure that this isn't used um, wrongfully. Um, against Christians of goodwill. And no doubt a time for prayer for legislators, uh, whether it's at a local, a state or a federal government level, uh, who are making decisions about these sorts of things and uh, and they need the wisdom of God. Uh, some other issues, just quickly to get a, a few thoughts, Ashley Saunders. Uh, one story out of Washington today, just breaking, the Trump administration's withdrawn from the United Nations Human Rights Council and making good on a pledge that they made to leave the body that it accuses of hypocrisy and has criticised as biased against Israel. Uh, do you have a thought or two on that? Uh, yes, one of the things that um, you can always say about the uh, US President Trump is that he's not um, uh, backward in wanting to call a spade a shovel. And, um, and so there have been concerns for a long time about whether the United Nations Human Rights Council is in fact protecting human rights or protecting uh, those who, um, uh, who, who are human rights violators. And, um, and certainly the US um, has had a concern for a long time. And so they're simply acting on that concern. Uh, my understanding, for example, is that the US ambassador uh, to the uh, United Nations uh, said this, uh, and I quote, for too long, the Human Rights Council has been a protector of human rights abusers 
and a cesspool of political bias, uh, unquote. And uh, that certainly reflects the view um, in the US. And um, if this results in the United Nations having a bit of a shake-up to say, well, uh, are we actually uh, protecting human rights or are we protecting human rights ab abusers? Uh, is there political bias against Israel or uh, any other state? Uh, or is this truly something uh, that is good and worthwhile? So time will tell, um, but the United, the United States have certainly acted um, on their concern. And uh, there's another hornet's nest stirred up there and no doubt there'll be lots of debate coming over that issue in the coming weeks. Uh, one last issue. Uh, it is the end of the Muslim celebration of Ramadan where they've had 30 days of uh, significant fasting. And one of those things that accompanies the Ramadan event each year is always this upswing in the amount of attacks that there are oftentimes against Christians. And at the end of Ramadan, there are some organisations that put numbers on those attacks and uh, they've counted 182 attacks over the last 30 days, 854 murders uh, and just 30 days of Ramadan. And it is something that's not unusual for Ramadan that those attacks increase in that time as, as uh, Muslim people deepen their own Islamic faith. Uh, I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on the fact that nobody reports those sorts of figures, Ashley Saunders. Well, it's not politically correct to do so, uh, because so often um, when, uh, whenever there's a report about um, things that are happening, uh, attacks that are being made, killings that are affected in the name of Islam, um, so often even our um, uh, secular politicians are quick to say, oh, but... This is not typical of, of Islam. Islam is a religion of peace. And um, I, I, find it, uh, I find it amazing that, uh, that, that there is this um, speed to defend um, that particular religion when there would not be the same speed to defend other faiths. Um, I, I find it amazing that, that, that we allow the narrative to continue that these things are the exception, not the rule, and yet, as you say, on, an, on a yearly basis, um, this period of what is meant to be in their, their religion, as I understand it, a period of fasting and spiritual devotion, every year um, results in attacks and killings. Um, I find that uh, amazing, and I find it very sad. Uh, and yes, uh, a lot of the attention um, means that there are attacks against Christians, and sometimes it's sectarian violence where one version of Islam is attacking people uh, of another version and uh, attacking mosques and so on. But uh, this year, uh, there are reports of attacks and killings in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Kenya, uh, in, uh, in India and Pakistan, in Yemen and Syria. And, and, and so in many parts of the world, uh, Ramadan this year has been, as it unfortunately usually is, characterised not by spiritual de devotion, unless, in their understanding, spiritual devotion means attacks and killings. Uh, interesting comments. And uh, just repeating, if you missed the detail, uh, 182 attacks over the last 30 days, resulting in the deaths as we would call it, murder of 854 people, and that doesn't include the number of people injured or the cost of destruction to property. 
Ashley Saunders, just so good getting your insights. Uh, you do bring common sense. You bring a biblical foundation to a commentary on the issues that we're facing as a nation, the issues that we're facing as a world. And uh, let me point people to the Family Voice Australia website, fava.org.au. Ashley Saunders, the National Director of Family Voice Australia, thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020. Uh, Thank you, Neil, and good morning to your listeners. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.